No, it was good. It's just it's a lot of people all day long, and I don't like people that much. You you like people at all? I don't like people at all. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 453 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined today by Seth Miller and Fosma Moon. Hey, guys. Good evening. Yes. You gonna stick around this time? Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if my power doesn't go out, I will be here. <laughs> I got a UPS for my internet now, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I'm sitting there talking. I'm like, God, his 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 line got awfully quiet. Usually, he interrupts me by now. Huh. Okay. <laughs> well, like, it, it like, what, like oh, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny. It was like it blipped, and then the internet didn't go out at first. Like the the all of my power stuff looked like it was still on. But then it like yeah. took a second, and then it then it flipped. So I'm sorry. I apologize to our okay. listeners for leaving dead air out there. So <laughs> yeah, I covered it reasonably well. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, let's talk about some Mexico routes that are coming. Uh, Delta. Uh, yeah. It's the it's, Delta press release, but it's really Aero Mexico. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of new stuff from both airports yeah. in Mexico City. Yeah. Like who? I guess McAllen's a big market. I don't know. I mean, it is, but I didn't know for Mexico City it was. But, I mean, yeah, interesting. Could it, could it be about connecting traffic, though? It could be, yeah, for the rest of Mexico. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. But it's well, going to the other airport. Well, the other airports, so no. Well, but, like, oh, is, but is there any onward traffic from there? He, not just to Mexico, but Central and South America. Not from the secondary Mexico City airport. I mean, connectivity there is terrible. That's part of its problem. I mean, it's got lots of issues, but the connectivity there isn't good, so... Soon they are building it. Yes, exactly. I mean, they sort of are forcing it, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, the, the collection of routes that uh, in the list, it's a whole bunch of new stuff. Yeah. And it's a lot of secondary cities to U.S. Delta hubs. Other than for the, not the uh, flights to the IFA, the secondary airport, but the other stuff is. Yeah. Um, but like, anyway, and they're coming here. So I'm excited we'll get that service back. Oh, to Boston? Boston's on the list. This is all coming next year, staging in, like, up, up through the middle of the year. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things I saw about it is part of this is they're bringing the Max 9 to the U.S. now, finally. Okay. Apparently, they weren't allowed, to, and I think I've seen this before, but because they were still uh, Category 2, the country, mm-hmm. on the IOSA thing, they weren't allowed to add new plane types to U.S. service because when you, when you are an airline and you apply a foreign airline and you apply for U.S. service, you specify what your fleet is yep. and types and whatnot. Um, and I guess you can adjust it over time as things change, but you have to sort of get approval. <laughs> um, and it makes sense that they wouldn't approve it because if they think the, the safety record of the country and inspections aren't done right, it's set or whatever reason, I could see why they would, you know, not not let a new one in. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the question, I guess the question I would pose is how many dirt strips is United and American stuff flying into in Mexico compared to this? United a lot, I think, still. Yeah. And I'm sure American is because they have more listened to Central and South America than United does. But mm-hmm. I, I thought Americans is mostly South America. I didn't think American had quite as much dirt strip action. I mean, we tease the smaller airports in Mexico. Yeah. I don't know about Mexico, but I know American has more flights in that in Central America than the United yeah, does. Yeah, that I believe. So, 
Uh, You're the one with the data. I'm trying and typing as fast as I can. I've actually never seen uh, BJX referred to as Bahio Airport. I guess it's always I've always thought of it as Guanajuato. I had to, I had to like look it up. So so for the current month uh, October, no American has more flights out of Mexico than Delta than United does. Wow, American has 4,800 currently scheduled. United is 4,000. Delta's Fifteen hundred and somehow, me- oh, because that's the wrong air code. Uh, yeah, but Air Mexico has seventeen thousand. Wow. So Delta adding on is substantial, uh, is insub- insignificant into Mexico, and this is a thirty percent increase in Air Mexico lift. So you're gonna you're looking at seventeen thousand becoming twenty two and twenty two five. Let me see if I can get for May of next year. Um, I don't know if that day. I don't know if the flights are filed yet or not, but yeah, they're not filed yet. So, um, but American will still outpace United. That's interesting. I wonder if I can get a list of origins too. Um, is this Delta's response to United's transporter agreement with Air Canada? Uh, Delta has had this is their joint cooperation agreement. It's not a joint venture, and they've had it for a long time. Um, it probably came around out about the same time as the United Air Canada, or they started talking about it. I actually think Delta's was approved and implemented sooner because remember United and Air Canada, like wanted more than they could get and fought over it for a while and didn't actually implement it until they could get as much as they wanted. No. And I get that. I was, uh, I mean, Delta fizzled with West chat, right? Right. And so is this just, and you know, they're instead of going for the Northern border, they're taking the South Southern border is an attempt to monopolize that. But I don't know how many people want to connect to Atlanta or Detroit to go to Mexico. Or Everybody does. If you want to, you always want to connect to Atlanta, Detroit, period. <laughs> Next May, American has 24 destinations. United only has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty. Okay. Now Mexico's got a ton. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, I mean, Monterey to Atlanta, Salt Lake City, New York, and Los Angeles. That's kind of wild. And then Mexico City, Benito Juarez, uh, to Detroit, Salt Lake City, D.C., and Boston. Does that mean that Delta is going to not fly those routes, though, like Salt Lake City and Detroit to Mexico City? Or is this an addition to? Uh, Does Delta already fly those? I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm like wondering like what's the plan here is this kind of like their air france klm play where like they fly some routes and they let yes okay all right so currently delta does operate has scheduled uh daily uh 5x daily to mexico city from atlanta for next may and then single daily detroit jfk la minneapolis salt lake okay uh and all those are on well it's a mix of mix of aircraft types well, I mean, I think another question I would have is, so they're talking about launching these starting January through the early summer. Right. How many of these will still be flying a year from now? <laughs> Always a fair I, question. I, I mean, I think I think a lot of them are reasonable. I, I do find the McAllen to to Mexico, the new airport, a little strange. I mean, it's got to be OND traffic, but is there that much from McAllen? Like, maybe? I don't know. It's it's That's a weird one. Like, McAllen... Kind of serves, I guess, South Padre, Harlingen, you know, all of that. Um, but for like some of these airports, they're doing Atlanta and Detroit. Like, what traffic are they? Who are they targeting? 
Yeah. That's connect right, but that's connecting slow. So those are markets unite that's markets Delta doesn't serve nonstop. And they're trying to capture broad traffic into Monterey. More traffic in right. They're they're trying to capture those I, no, I get that, but from Detroit, you're predominantly thinking northeast or the eastern part of the Midwest. Sure. How much traffic to these cities is there from that part that isn't already covered, right? The people who are going to Mexico regularly already have, aren't necessarily going to pivot to Delta because they're already either on an American or United because that's what they've been flying. I guess it's a, right, those, those folks are also connecting somewhere. So if you're connecting small town upper midwest on a regional jet with united because it was a double connect on delta and now you can get mainline on both segments or bigger planes on both segments maybe i don't know yeah i mean i think it's a little bit of a stretch i would be surprised if half of these routes are still flying a year from now yeah you know another mean, thing to consider and it was mostly leisure traffic but Mexico U.S. traffic is massively expanded, and there's a lot of pent-up demand there. Well, and I think that's where the next story comes out, right, is Viva Aerobus is announcing 10 new routes as well to the United States. Yeah. So um, they said they're going to serve Houston, San Antonio from Cuaratero, um, and then you know they're going to do um, flights from Merida to Orlando and Miami. And then uh, they're also going to do Monterey to Denver, Miami, Orlando, Austin – Oakland and JFK. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to some, some similar res, uh, places as what's on the Aeromexico list. Yeah. And you know, to see, right. Viva Airbus is typically more VFR and leisure traffic. visiting from family, friends and relatives um, than Aeromexico. Um, but to see them pushing these into your point, Foz, I think there is definitely a growing, uh, diaspora community for Mexican traffic that also probably helps feed a lot of this. Well, and, you know, to that point, like, Viva Airbus coming in, right? That's great, except it's going to drive down the prices in the markets as well. Yeah. Good for for travelers. Yeah, but, like, does that make the Delta stuff and Aeromexico stuff financially viable is a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, totally good question. Ask me again in two years. (laughs) So, someone make a note. Like we like we can plan that far in advance. Yeah, yeah. Bookmark, bookmark this right here. I'll set an alarm in my phone. Uh, Ask Seth <laughs> about profitability of um, United um, has a bigger has a, some airplanes on order. Uh, they're now up to eight hundred aircraft on order. Um, it sounds like it was a mix of Airbus and Boeing's. Yep, uh, fifty more seven eighty sevens. And 60 more 321 Neos for delivery between 2028 and 2031. Okay. So. Four years. Five years out. I mean, yeah, it's four and a half. I don't know how far into 28 it is. But yeah, I mean, this is, part of it is, of course, delivery slots are harder to come by and get it. You know, locking some in is good. Yep. Um, And then part of it is, they basically, I think like the Boeing order is a, confirmation of existing options but then adding additional options as well okay which makes some sense um just given the growth plans and they they haven't been shy about 787s are probably going to be the growth and replacement cycle aircraft for their wide body fleet for the foreseeable future um and it's based on they need to upgauge 
and they and they made it very clear is they're trying to take larger aircraft across the board because uh and this is ironic like 15 years ago we were having this conversation about the a380 or 10 years ago we were oh, no, probably 15 about the a380 it was like is there demand because you've got so many airports where you can't add slots and they wanted the super jumbo uh maybe it was a little ahead of its time like 30 or 40 years but united is now saying you know it needs 200 seat single aisle in a manner that can be vaguely comfortable and you know 250 to 300 seat wide bodies where currently it's providing you know flying 160 to 180 seat single aisle and you know 160 to 200 seat twins yeah but the 780 is still smaller than the triple sevens and generally, yes, the 787-10 is equivalent in United's config is roughly this. I think it's actually a few more seats than the 777-200ER long haul config. But that's only because they have fewer business class seats in that plane. There's it would be at par. Yeah, it's they're they're com they're roughly comparable, but slightly more seats. So yes, uh, there is a way to match the the 200 though, right? With the dash 10 mm-hmm. and then you use the dash nines and eights to replace seven, six, sevens, which are really what's going to be retiring sooner. Although some of the triple sevens are pretty old too. Uh, the two hundreds, um, the 300 ER is remains an open question. There is still not a real replacement for that in the United fleet plan. Unless you consider that the a three fifty one thousand order is for real. But I think the point that I was getting at, even with the 7810, right, if it matches, if it comes close to this triple seven two hundred seating, that's not upgaging. No, but you, it is not upgaging those planes. And so part of this is which ones are going to get retired when and where. But if you swap out all your 767s for uh, 787-9s, that's a massive capacity increase. And I think that's really worth what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, because we need more seats to London? <laughs> Apparently. Or to Naples. <laughs> Twice a day. Double daily on the high... Well, so this is, right, this is double... It's going to be double daily on the high J next summer. And United's not going to have that option. How many people are going to Naples? Like, is it just, like, nothing but, you know, Americans in Naples now? Like, is it like that Jerry skit where you can't, you can't, get, a, you can't get an apartment in Naples? You guys know what I'm talking about? Never mind. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, when, um, when Jerry wants an apartment in Italy? Anyway, never mind. Um, and Foz, I'm looking at the numbers here. So the 5024-202 is the 200ER layout. It's 44. 44. Huh? Yeah, 44. I'm just thinking business, right? Four, it goes down to 44. So you lose four, you lose six business seats, but you add 51 economy seats. So the 7710 is, is a, it's 40... You lose three premium economies. You lose nine and you add 51. It's 42 more seats on a 300-ish seat plane. So it is a 10% boost in capacity. So they would consider that an upgauge still, I think. Can we can we also talk about Naples in general? Like, isn't that the one where they have, they have problems with having to fuel up somewhere else? They did because if you're using, like, the westbound runway, the eastbound runway, there's a wind issue or... Yeah. Like there's a hill at the end of the runway? Mountain, yeah. <laughs> hill, mountain. It's not Vesuvius, right? No, no. <laughs> it's close. It's for the Yeah, I, I, um, I just wonder. Anyway, I, I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's a lot of planes. 
And yeah. then on top of that, they're ordering A321 Neos, more of those, right? Yeah. And Delta got ahead of him on this, and United in a lot of ways is playing catch-up, right? Delta's basically doing its single-aisle upgauge over the last three to five years and is continuing to. United's approach to it has been sort of their existing max backlog, but to get the truly bigger, bigger planes, and they need them for domestic routes. And they're saying Newark, Chicago, San Francisco, which are airports that more gate space is basically impossible, more runway space is very difficult. Um, if they want to grow, it's got to just be bigger planes. So, but yeah, they, and yeah, United does have some already on order. So getting to the 200 seat single aisle isn't, they're not completely behind, but they are behind Delta in this path. Do you think, are the, the 321 Neos, are those all for international or is it? No, those will be domestic. That's not the XLRs. And what are they going to replace with those? Seven fives. A lot of seven fives are domestic now. Yeah, that's true. So some of it will be seven fives, but I, again, I think it, it, you have to look at it as a trickle down play, also. So things that are flying on nine hundred ERs or max nines today will switch to three twenty one neos. The max nines will go to where the eights and sevens were. The eights and sevens will go to where the three twenties and three twenty ones were, or excuse me, three twenties and three nineteens were. It, there's a, and then you've got on the single aisles or on the regional jet stuff, you're basically putting 70 seaters wherever you can. And then in some places cutting or, you know, moving some 70 seaters to where 50 seaters were, or in some cases, the real challenge is where you can't upgrade a 50 seat market without destroying the yields. And you have to either, and you run out of 50 seat pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you cut the market? <laughs> oh, well, interesting to that point. I don't know if you guys, um, heard this, but I heard from someone that apparently in the new pilot contract, the scope clause is gone. Uh, I don't think so. I can't imagine the pilots giving that up. Yeah, that that would be batshit crazy. That came from an employee. Huh. That all, all three of us know. Really? Yeah. That, I can't see how that wouldn't have been talked about more. I, which I, I have not had the ability to verify yet, but it is something worth verifying. Let's see if I can send a text while we're talking here and get an answer before the end of the show. <laughs> uh, no, that guy's in London, damn it. Uh, anyway, um, try to get clarification on that before we publish, maybe. I, I don't think that... It just would be shocking to me that no one had mentioned that. That's such a thing. I don't know. Um, what was I going to say? There's a... Uh, oh, no, nah, nothing. I did have I had nothing. Nothing more on that. Yeah, I think it's it's um, it's interesting to me that United hasn't exercised the Airbus uh, option. I didn't, I didn't realize I didn't realize that they added more planes to that original order. The three fifties. Yeah. Yeah. What they went from twenty five to forty five. Yeah, that happened a while back. But I just you know, I was reading about it. Like I didn't even realize. Like, why would you add more options to a plane that you don't really plan to take? And no, I think they turn those. I mean, do you think they turn those into more A three twenty ones or something? Is that is that kind of the plan? You think they haven't yet? Yeah, that's true. It, so again, I think part of it is they they don't maybe they don't want them, but they might not have a choice. Mm-hmm. Right, you got to hedge your bet against what is a delivery of a triple seven X going to look like? How over engineered and expensive to operate is it going to be for what United actually needs? 
and when is it actually going to get certified and when is production going to ramp up and when is it going to be reliable and all of those things and 10 years from now which is when they theoretically need to actually be thinking about replacement wide bodies for the triple seven 300 er uh having those 350 options or technically their orders uh in in pocket might not be the worst thing yeah yeah sure i, I still think the odds of them delivering are relatively low but we'll see um let's talk about sas some big news there 1.2 billion dollars worth of news yeah so delta or i shouldn't say delta air france klm took a i think it's like a 19 percent stake is part of the investment group um i think yes they'll get a 19 percent stake for only having to put in like 150 million of the 1.2 billion it all still has to be approved by the bankruptcy court and competition authorities so it's a little tentative but i don't see it failing um, but yeah, as part of this, they're going to end up in SkyTeam. And this that'll happen in 2025, um, assuming everything goes through. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess pour one out for SAS, for the Star Alliance people. I don't know. I, I, haven't, I don't know that I've met a single person that loves flying on them. <laughs> so. I enjoyed all my time on SAS. <laughs> I mean, I think it's useful for the Nordics, right? Like it was like the only real option to the Nordics. Um, to some of the smaller markets. I guess now you'll have to do Star Alliance to Frankfurt or Munich and then take yeah, Guerrero yeah. or something. Yeah, significant, significantly out of the way routings to get to a lot of those smaller cities. Yeah. Um, or, but obviously, does this, force, does this force United to uplift into the uh, Scandinavian region? How, how do you do that profitably? Because no one's figured that out yet. I mean, United was doing it on seven fives for quite some time. You said, said right, the XLR maybe. Yeah, I mean they could still do the seven five. Yeah, I'm assuming that those are done by 2025, 26. That's basically the plan for long haul stuff, and the XLRs replace those. So for most markets, and we'll be a more efficient, more cost effective airplane to operate into operate. So that helps. But high high J config seven six threes. No, well, they're paid off, so you know. <laughs> sure, we'll go after Marcus, but definitely don't have premium demand with. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, and then Air Malta. Um, let's talk about them. They're getting kind of a new. Yeah. What are they? The Air, Air Malta is dead. Long live Air Malta, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're pulling an Italian government, and they're shutting down the old airline. And the next day, this following day, they'll be starting up the new one. Uh, re- new employees. No, oh. most of the employees are going to be rehired. Oh, okay. So what changes? <laughs> the debt. Oh, uh, so they, uh, do they take the debt? Does the government take the debt? No, the debt disappears. And so it's basically the EU won't let the government pour more money as state aid into the existing airline. But they will let the state government found a new airline under the presumption that it's not going to be constantly fed with additional funding. And like it's all Italia all over again. Why is why is our theory that we should start an airline with a billion dollars to make a million dollars? Why don't we just start an airline in Malta? <laughs> like it just or, seems or, like or, or Europe. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Why wow, that's SAS terrible. Do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just because they're not the state airline, right? And not state. Uh, state of, Denmark owns a whole bunch of it. That's that was actually another thing that came up is Denmark is maintaining its. Uh, investment, they'll still hold a pretty solid stake. 
um, the other national governments won't own as much. And there was discussion of possibly having the headquarters move to Denmark. Wow. Okay. So that would be interesting. I'm I'm not seeing. I've seen some other reports, Foz, on the United Scope Clause, and it says it's still in place. Okay. There was some speculation that it would be go. It would go away for even more pay raises. I will have to ask our M- mutual friend. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Air Malta. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I, they're, they're tight, right. This is, it's funny. Like they're going to cut more than half their markets. They currently fly to 37. It'll only be 17. It's going to be the same eight planes though. Um, which makes one wonder, are we just going to fly everything daily instead of like two or three X weekly? I don't know. How do you like, how does that work? Yeah. How, how much were you doing with that set of planes? If you are really flying so many markets with so few planes. Yeah. Hey, man, that's a fun airport code or hell code. <laughs> um, and then, oh, sorry, I'm just looking at their schedule and they're doing some of it double daily, <laughs> even with so few planes. Um, but a whole bunch of markets were, uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five markets were less than daily. Most were daily and um, some were multiple times, multiple times a day. Hmm. So, anyway. And then Allegiant is getting more max options, and they're swapping their Dash 7s for Dash 8s? 8200s. What is that? Uh, it's the high-capacity 8. It's the 8 with right. the extra door in the back. It's the Ryan Air config. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it's got an extra door at the where like where the 900ER in the max 9 has that extra exit door. Mm-hmm. Max option, you can put it on an 8, it turns out, if you really want to cram seats in. Um, this is interesting. It, on the one hand, like, see also prior discussion about United Airlines needing bigger planes everywhere, but Allegiant doesn't, because Allegiant doesn't fly to airports that are gate and runway restricted, although maybe they're going to fly to Boston soon, uh, and Newark, um, with the spirit slots. Mm. But uh, putting that aside, it's it's very interesting to see this come up, and the general theory is the max seven del- deliveries that were supposed to happen this year can't and Boeing is otherwise behind. So Allegiance max deliveries are now going to slip, but in order to actually start taking planes, they're basically doing what Southwest did, which is switching to 8200s or they're doing 8200s. Southwest is doing eights, but picking the bigger plane, even though it wasn't necessarily what they really wanted. And I guess somewhere down the line, they'll figure out if they get smaller ones or not. Yeah. Like they just want the, they want to be, they want to have a slot on the production line. They, they need maxes. They want their growth, and that's yep. where their, the growth is going to happen. And maybe they grow a little faster than they planned because the more seats. But like they got to do it. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder. Do you think? I mean, if Boeing, do you think Boeing actually gave them a little bit of a deal to take the the eights because you can give them to them, or do you think they they didn't get any kind of deal? I mean, they, their order book was already a mix. Mm. So right now, I think it's probably. I'm sure there's some accommodation of we understand this is what you want and this you're gonna we're gonna switch the order on you know the sequencing around a little bit on you yep. and a, perhaps a small token of appreciation for their uh, flexibility continued, continued loyalty right um. <laughs> but uh, yeah I don't I don't think it's a dramatic change yeah 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 interesting stuff and then uh, lot is getting some new 787 cabins. I think they are the, probably the longest in the tooth 787 cabins out there. Uh, I put Ethiopians up against them, but yeah. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, it's very similar. 
it's very similar. Both of them are the original Dash 8 deliveries that they took. Um, and you may recall we talked about this on the show back in June when I spoke to the Ethiopian CEO and he was talking about how much his passengers hated the not live fly seats. Mm. Um, but so a lot is uh, it's a two 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 layout and they're going to switch to one two one. They're doing the Recaro's. CL6720, which is the nice mini suite that's sort of all the rage these days, or one of the more popular they, ones these days. It's forward-facing, so not herringboned. Do they keep the same number of seats, business seats? They did not share the uh, cabin seating breakdown. Because they already, they are, I mean, they're already a small, ca- it's already a small cabin. It's currently three rows, I think, yeah. or four rows. Yeah, so I don't know that they could go any smaller. Yeah, I think the pictures I saw showed four rows. Okay. At least it's with an angle, it's hard to tell. So I think it's going to match. Um, but yeah, so it's that. It's uh, a new premium economy suite. They did. They went all Recaro on their seating and made a big point of noting that Recaro economy class seats are manufactured in Poland. Hmm. Okay. And Recaro has also noted that they use it. It's a lower cost manufacturing site for them compared to uh, Schwabish Hall, which is their main headquarters in Germany, where uh, some economy seats and all of their premiums are made. I'd be fine if they just stopped making their economy seat, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> so. It's bad news for you, Stephen. Economy <laughs> I, <suck>. I know. <laughs> uh, I, I also, sorry, before I forget, I want to edit my prior statement about the uh, Air Malta routes. There's actually about half of the markets are less than daily. I was Currently, I was looking at the future state, and that's different. But gotcha. um, anyway, but yeah, the, the lot thing is interesting. I think it's part of what's interesting about it is they're announcing today that they're making changes for end of 2026 delivery. Like, mm-hmm. cool story, bro. <laughs> and, and they want to open a lounge in Chicago. The lounge in Chicago is under construction. Like, why? I mean, they do. I mean, they do have a seasonal Krakow flight, and I think they were flying somewhere else, Poznan, maybe. Um, out of Chicago, they were, they were doing a lot and then they were doing like Newark, Poznan and yeah. like every other day to Krakow or something. Yeah. They're like two or three times a week there, but it's not daily. Those yeah. activated. Does that really warrant a lounge? Eh, I don't know. In Chicago, I could see it. They're right. They're out in the international terminal, what, T5 or whatever. And yeah. Gates. So there's not a lot out there and they can't move over to use United's lounges. So it's not the worst idea I've ever heard. But all of that's going to be connected soon. You only, you only need 24 seats, you know, in a lounge. So I guess that's a fair point. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be huge. <laughs> it's also going to allow Star Gold in, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. 48 seats. Um, well, I want to know, Foz, how is that actually going to be connected when you say that? Like, are they actually going to connect it behind security? That's the plan. How? Or, excuse me. Star will not be in five anymore. Star Alliance will all be over in T yes. two somewhere or T three. Was that T two? Yeah, in one T two, whatever. How though? I mean, are they adding new gates? Yeah, they're rebuilding two. Oh, that's but, like there's master plan of giant atria when you walk in. We'll see if they can actually pull this off without going air going sideways. But this is like part of the master plan, right? They're, but when? Ten years from it, now. It's supposed, it's supposed to be done by 2030, I think. Wow. Yeah, so then you saw the lounge to someone else. I thought you were going to say like they were going to build a bridge from out there at L over the two taxiways and connect up to five. No, that's <laughs> gonna, they're going to build an underground. Oh, don't sweat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah. I mean, I knew they had added gates at, at uh, five. Um, so I, I thought that that was kind of like the plan to keep everything there. But I guess it makes United happy if – will arrivals go to T2 as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. That changes things. Yeah, putting CBP in is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. I mean, that's always been the biggest pain in the ass of O'Hare. Um, I was going to mention something else about Lot. Uh, they actually had their coach share lapse uh, as of, I think, Friday uh, with United. The coach share agreement. Even though they're part of Star Alliance, they, they had a coach share agreement on a bunch of routes um, from like Poland or from Warsaw on to like Amsterdam, Brussels, and Frankfurt. I even think Heathrow was one of them. And so you could get on uh, a United coded lot flight. Yeah, but they just established a new code share with JetBlue, so, you know. Who did? Lot. Lot? Well, great. Next, they're going to leave Star Alliance. (laughs) Uh, I actually want to go back to that real quick, though. Uh, Cap is on the market now. Do you think that the Caleb Air France buying into SAS softens their ability to go after Cap? Yes. I think they made the wrong choice. I would have gone... Yeah, I mean, I would have, if I, like, if I was, if I was, um, Air France KLM, I would have gone for TAP, not SAS, for connecting flow. Sure. That would have been, that would have been my play. Which makes one wonder, are they going to try to do both? But I don't think the European Union would allow that, would they? I, that was my initial thought, too. Like, are you going to let them swallow two at the same time? That said, Lufthansa Group's going after ITA. Yeah. Right, so would they be allowed to get to it at the same time? Uh, IAG is in the process of taking over Air Europa. Yep. Would they be allowed to get to it at the same time that both happen to be in the Iberian Peninsula, where IAG already owns Iberia and Welling? Um, right. Would you let one group own all five airlines? That <laughs> I mean, there's some Ryanair capacity in all over this place too. But like, there's. Would you allow it? No, except you wouldn't allow any of them, and you got to allow one of them. Yeah, in theory, you can't just say no. You go, you have to go out of business because we won't let anyone invest in you to keep you running. I don't. No, you could at least. I mean, wouldn't be the first time that we've seen that happen, though. I would say they're more willing to let Lufthansa go after them than they are to let Air France KLM. Yeah, Lufthansa but, at least a little further from their bases perspective. Yeah. IAG's already has Madrid. Yep. And Barcelona. And Barcelona. And and Barcelona. Uh, And De Gaulle isn't that far. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, it was just an interesting thought exercise just to, like, how does it play from here? I mean, at the same time, I could also see them saying, yeah, go for it. It's not a huge airline, right? TAP's not huge. Um, But I think maybe the counter argument would be Africa feed. So, like, Air France and KLM already have a decent amount of feed into Africa from their hubs. Yeah. Um, whereas Lufthansa's is a little weaker, I would say. Maybe Brussels. You could say Brussels is. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say Brussels has a fair bit of lift into Africa. Yeah. I, I, that would be the only argument I could I could see as being a, a valid one for <coughs> allowing IAG yeah. or Lufthansa to take it. Turns out, turns out the Germans didn't spend much t- as much time. Uh, in, in those, in you know, in. Africa, committing <laughs> genocide. You know, yes, they were busy yeah. elsewhere. Only, only in Namibia. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. I didn't realize Tap was up for sale. Yeah, they officially went on the market last week during the 
or two weeks ago now during uh WAF World Aviation Festival, I was there. So the CEO was on stage and it was like, you know, one of the questions was like, so tonight uh, your uh, local parliament's going to approve that you're on sale. What do you think is going to happen? He's like, I'm going to show up to work tomorrow and get the job done. But he obviously didn't say anything significant, but it's really, an, it was pretty amusing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh. Um, let's talk about the Boeing factory tour being open again. I'm excited. Have you been yet? Are you planning to go? I mean, I have been before. I have not been since it's open again. And this is after this is basically after COVID. They finally yeah. started tours. Yeah, um, that's cool. I haven't been up there yet, so I should I should go. I live close enough. Road trip, road trip. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a fun tour. Uh, you, I mean, you're up in the the catwalks above the assembly line. It's pretty nifty. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's not as good as uh, Airbus in Hamburg. Hamburg. Yeah, yeah, that's still my favorite. Yeah, you can't uh, reach out and touch anything. Right. <laughs> Even though you don't, you could. Exactly. And then uh, the Rugby World Cup. Uh, 40 flights from Ireland to France. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, Ireland keeps winning, and so they keep char- They keep basically keep running airlift operations to get the Irish over for more games. But uh, the latest is a 40-flight plan to get, call it, Six to eight thousand people over for uh, to cheer for the team. Just it's one of those sort of crazy things like that I you see happen. I think they did like eight or ten flights last time into Paris, and they did Beauvais and Charles de Gaulle and Orly. Uh, this time, I'm sure it'll be all three again. But like, I, I it was basically a headline with no details. Um, but seeing those numbers growing, it's a bit rem- reminiscent of the World Cup where everybody was ferrying in from Saudi. Mm-hmm. or Dubai. I mean, it, it, it raises an interesting question. What do you think about the World Cup in the United States? Because that's coming up, right? The Well, different sport, for one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Just a World Cup of, you know, of yeah. football. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, FIFA's corruption remains on display, so this, that's cool. <laughs> Sorry, that's, I just, since you mentioned it, the 2030 World Cup was announced as being played on three continents. They're going to play, like, the first round or like the first handful of games in South America and then go to Europe and Africa to finish. Very green. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of cash involved, but it came from Saudi Arabia. So oh, that's what I mean by green. Yeah. <laughs> um, it tur- And then like an hour after that was announced, Saudi Arabia announced that they were putting in a bid to host the 2034 uh, World Cup. And, the FIFA has a rule that no continent or no, it's by uh, organization, mm. like regular uh, CONCACAF and the, the uh, governing body, the local governing bodies, but it's basically by continent. Uh, you can't host in consecutive World Cups. So by putting three in the same World Cup, you basically eliminate all three from hosting the next one, which drastically reduces competition for Saudi Arabia to win it. Yeah, yeah. And like... Wow. Yeah, unprecedented. So, but I mean, going back to your original question, there's going to be a ton of flying around in the United States for these games too. Yeah, and I was—I I mean, thinking about it, like a lot of people going to support their teams, but also people coming from overseas to support the teams, and then having you know, as it dwindles down, as the you know the different groups play in the different—I guess it's different regions—they're going to play the West Coast, I think, in Central, and then East Coast, and then the, I think it dwindles down and ends in New York. I think that's correct. I don't remember. Uh, the details, but it's just, a, there's, there's going to be a lot of people flying. Um, 
I wonder how, I mean, do you think they start chartering flights or do you think like airlines start adding segments for those flights? Like do they, for the games, do you think like United's going to add a bunch of new, you know, Vancouver, BC to Chicago flights for, for the next round of, of games? Um, that's a good question. I like, I want to say when it was in South America last time, they definitely added a bunch of charter flights or not yeah. charter, but schedule. Yep. Scheduled service to help move people around. Um, I kind of see it like these like specialty flights that some of the airlines operate for college football. Yeah. Where it's like one offs. I could see that happening for the World Cup. Yeah, I'm sure they'll add flights, right? If the demand is there, the airlines will satisfy it. Yeah. But, you know, the, but like the Ireland one, well, the question that I have is where do they get the slots? Oh, it is in Dublin. No, at uh, in Paris. Dublin's easy. Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Some of them might already exist, but if they're running as charters, you can get one off charters. Mm-hmm. Not not forty, but you know, you move them around. And I'm not sure how many days the forty is across. So, yeah. See, when you're right that the finals will be in uh, New York, the rest of the schedule it is all over the country, though. Yeah, all over the country and Mexico, right? Like, so I think they play some in Toronto and they play some in Monterey and Mexico City. Um, yeah, Azteca Stadium is listed as maybe hosting the opening match or the Rose Bowl. Yep. So yeah. it's, I mean, it'll be cool. I mean, some of these stadiums are already built, which is nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> or most of them, I think, are. Yeah, I don't think they're building anything new for this one, unlike Qatar. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, um, anything else you guys want to talk about? That's all I got. Yeah. We got a bunch uh, coming up in the bonus uh, show for our Patreon subscribers. We got to talk about some Sun Country stuff, Global Airlines and High Fly, um, award troubles, award tool troubles. Talk about that too for our Patreon subscribers. Um, but to our regular listeners, thank you for supporting the show with your listening, and we will talk to you next time. Happy travels. Take care. See you later. <laughs>